0: Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Brought to you by johnnyt where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. Get ready for another edition of Inside Carolina Radio.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Radio Show. I am your host, Greg Barnes, subbing in for Tommy Ashley, and alongside of me is IC's newest edition, Ross Martin. Ross, welcome to the podcast.
0: Happy to be here, Greg. It's a, it's a joy to sit in the, in the Pod Center with you and, and talk UNC football.
1: It is. It's hard to believe that, man, I guess it was eight months ago that we were in El Paso watching North Carolina lose to Stanford. A lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation, a lot of debate has taken place since that time. But we finally have something to talk about as North Carolina opened practice on Wednesday morning. Opened at Keenan Stadium, so that was a little bit different with Navy Fields under construction for the indoor practice facility, which is scheduled to be ready before the 2018 season. Uh, but they have removed the fencing, they have removed the track, they have removed the hedges, put in artificial turf in place of those things. So it's a very interesting setup. I guess you're somewhat familiar with it from the, the camp settings, cause
0: yeah, and I, I think the main thing here is the players probably like it. They don't have to walk as far to get to Navy Fields. It's very convenient for moving equipment and, and players and coaches. Um, the only downside is going to be the turf. And you wrote about this in your article about I mean they may have to resod the field, the the grass field, after or before every home game, which is crazy to think about.
1: The fact that now North Carolina is not going to get in 29 practices before the first game. I mean, I I would say they're probably going to get in 25 or 26. But when you consider that there's going to be 115 players, or whatever it may be, that's going to be practicing on that field between now and September 2nd, that field is going to be absolutely destroyed, I would imagine, by the time that California game comes. And then, of course, as you mentioned, uh, right before that game, they're going to pull it up and put down new sides. So, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, you know, the grounds crew obviously has done a great job over the years, and no reason to doubt they'll do a good job with this. And it
0: probably helps that, what, two years ago, they, they redid the hole underneath the field with exactly. all the draining. Drainage. And that right. actually, even though the Virginia Tech game last year was was crazy in terms of the weather, the field did hold up right. and drained well. So it seems like the the grounds crew is on, there, on their dime there.
1: Right. I think some of the... the Renovations they did this off season. I mean, it was like a two million dollar project. Although get you know, some of that was purchasing the turf that's outside of Charlotte right now. Uh, but some of the semantics involved, it was further kind of confirming and, and making adjustments for drainage and that kind of thing. So I think they're taken care of in that regard. It's just a matter of uh, kind of the the nuance of it and, and the inconvenience. Although as Larry Fedora said after practice, you know, it's not really an inconvenience when you know what the end result going to be. But enough about the field. Let's talk some football. The the position that everybody, of course, is talking about is place kicker. Wait a minute, no, <laughs> not, not place kicker. We'll get to that. Quarterback, Nathan Elliott emerged from spring ball as the number one guy, and therefore he took snaps with the first team during a little bit of practice that we got to saw to see Wednesday morning. Ross, kind of your takeaway on that position as a whole. Uh, not just what you saw at practice, but kind of what you've heard behind the scenes?
0: I mean, I think the general sentiment is why bring in... A grad transfer, if he's not going to play significantly, so you have to head into this competition thinking that if Brandon Harrison does Brandon Harris does everything right, he's going to be the guy come September second. Now, a lot goes into that. He had to learn the, he has to learn and continue learning the playbook. Something Fedora stressed that if he doesn't get this playbook down quickly, he's going to have a horrible time even breaking into reps. From everything we've heard from players, you know, he works hard. He's a likable guy. I've talked to him personally. He's very charismatic, dynamic. I think he's going to have no tr- trouble winning over the locker room and becoming one of the guys, so to speak. Um, it's just a weird thing when you have uh, Nathan Elliott and then Logan Bird and Chad Surratt to a lesser extent who've been there two, three years. A new guy comes in who is obviously very talented, a four star recruit who's coming in competing for the job. Another thing, I wrote about this uh, for Inside Carolina in one of my first articles uh, last week. You know, his, his skill set seems to be tailor-made for what UNC does. He has a strong arm. He can throw it. Maybe not as accurate as Mitch Trubisky, but definitely has the, the arm to get the job done. But he's also a runner, he operates uh, he, in at LSU. He operated in a system that didn't throw the ball much. It's hard for him getting a rhythm. And he said he just loves the fast pace and the amount of passing in Fedora's offense. So you would think if everything goes as planned and he learns the playbook, that he's gonna be the guy heading into um, the Cal game. But of course, there's about a month for things to play out till then.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because if you look at Fedora's offense it's not near as sophisticated as what John Shoup ran here, you know, which was a pro-style offense. But while it's not maybe as complex, Fedora requires precision and perfection, um, not just in knowing the plays and making the right passes, but in doing all the little things. And that's one of the reasons that they rep plays over and over and over again. Um, and we saw that during practice is while they were working on a read option drill, between the running backs and the, and the quarterbacks, obviously, uh, Keith Eckendorf had to pull Harris over to the side and say, all right, this is the footwork that we want here. Not this, but this. And those are very small details. Uh, but we've seen details like that trip people up over the years. And so you're right. I, I, I think the expectation clearly is for him to be the guy. But he's got to check all those boxes. And provided he checks those boxes, I think that's accurate. Well, one, one thing I would say is, Arm strength. I mean, he's got a cannon.
0: Yeah. If you watch Uh, his tape, you can clearly see that. For sure.
1: And you saw that a little bit in some of the swing passes while some of the younger guys were just kind of lobbing it out there. I mean, he was throwing some rifles, which, uh, again, Marquis had a big arm. So we're going to see a lot of comparisons between Harris and Marquis.
0: And... Yeah, and to to give you an idea of what he looks like physically, he's not as physically strong as Marquise no, was. He's not near he's as, big. Not as big as Mitch Trubisky. He's about six two, six three, but he's a little bit slider. But he's not skinny. Um, I right. stood next to him and everything, and um, and to kind of come off what you said there. He just said the UNC office was just easier to learn. It was quicker. There's less verbiage and, right. and like you said, it's more read and react and, and the run pass option, which is more instinctual than than actually learning the a complex playbook.
1: Yeah, and I think that what we have to be careful about is anointing him before he's proven it. Because as you mentioned, Ross, I mean there's some guys behind him that have that have been in the system a couple of years. And, and, and paid I, their dues. Right. I mean, Nathan Elliott's a the perfect example. Now, Elliott may not be the fastest guy. He may not have the biggest arm. uh, But he came out of spring camp as number one for a reason. And so it's not like Harris is going to walk in and just coast to that that number one spot. Um, I think the way people probably need to think about it is Mitch Trubisky is probably the best quarterback that we've seen at UNC possibly ever, right? And then you've got where Nathan Elliott is. And so the question is, can Brandon Harris come in and be somewhere in that gap? Now, the more Elliott plays, the tighter that gap's going to close. So Harris is going to have to improve his game and, and show that he can do it. Uh, as we've said, all expectations are that he will, but it's not it, its not a slam dunk necessarily as, as some people s- seem to think it is.
0: And I doubt we'll really know who it's going to be until that weekend. I, I don't think Fedora really names a quarterback. He probably tells them but doesn't release to the media. And from what I've heard, you know, Elliott's a great decision maker, and that's very important in this offense sure. to, to ball security and, and putting the ball where it needs to be and making the right read, not necessarily the biggest play. So that's important to know as well. And then, of course, the guys behind him, you know, Chas Rats, the, the more dynamic player looking ahead of the future and a guy that definitely has the potential if he grows to, to, to be a player for UNC down the line. I wouldn't be surprised if, if UNC plays two quarterbacks semi-regularly this year. Um, they did a little bit with Trubisky and Marquise. Uh, was that 2014 or 15?
1: That was 15.
0: And um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that just to to keep both ready.
1: For sure, and kind of move into a, a, another position group. Let's let's chat a little bit about running back. Okay. The the guy that has impressed me throughout spring ball and even a little bit we saw him on Wednesday morning was freshman Michael Carter. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just my vision but whenever I watch him he has quickness he's elusive he has speed that none of the other backs have at that level Uh, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than just that you've got to be able to pass protect you've got to be able to know the plays and all those kind of things which are a challenge for running backs but but the kid looks good but he was working behind Jordan Brown and and Stanton Truitt
0: and that's to be expected Um, Jordan Brown's been here a year, but yeah, I I think Michael Carr is the guy that um, people are most excited about. I think he's a dynamic player with kind of the tools that Gio Bernard had, with a little bit of TJ Logan mixed in. If you look at his highlight reels from his senior year, you know he's a kickoff returner. He can make you miss. He can take the ball the distance. A really dynamic personality charismatic you know i covered his recruitment and he was a kind of a, a joy to recruit in terms of personality wise but i think he i think eventually this year he's gonna be the guy getting the most reps but i think it will be running back by committee especially considering they don't really have a big back uh returning so that's gonna be either antoine branch or the converted linebacker jonathan sutton so there's slim pickings at running back someone's gonna have to distinguish themselves whether that be brown truett uh, or Carter uh, is yet to be seen, but I think you're right. I think Carter has more natural ability.
1: Yeah, Truett's a little bit bigger than I expected um, for, for whatever reason, just a little bit of game film that I, I watched when tr- he was at Auburn.
0: And Truitt's played played more than right, anybody on the, sure. on the team in terms of in good, against good competition, so he might be the more mentally ready.
1: Yeah, and not that it means anything, but I found it interesting that in the read option drills that we were able to see, it was Brandon Harris and Stanton Truett primarily working together. So two grad transfers that North Carolina, of course, is relying on that br- uh, this year.
0: And that brings us to the offensive line. And they brought in you know, two grad transfers as well. Right. Uh, a group that lost uh, technically three starters. You know, Caleb Peterson missed half of the season last year. They lost uh, John Heck on the outside, Caleb Peterson, and, and Lucas Crowley. And if you want to run through your depth chart, what you saw from practice today.
1: Well, I think what, what stands out to me, is the fact that, and granted, Jared Cohen is a guy that that left the team. Um, where was he working? Like at a Dix or something up in Maryland? Yeah, something like that. It was like a sporting
0: that? good story. Yeah, yeah.
1: and um, so he has not been with the program uh, until just recently. But we know that he's a guy that can step in and play. Uh, he was. He, I want to say. What do we say? He, he started, started two games
0: okay. and then, but played all thirteen in two thousand fourteen. Right.
1: And so this is a kid that has experience. Um, he's familiar with the offense, and he's third string right now. And it's not like you need to say, well, they just put him at third string because just he's a walk-on, he's new to the program again. I mean, you've got Tommy Hatton and RJ Prince ahead of him at right guard. So two guys that uh, you know, Prince started I think every game last year, and Tommy Hatton, once Caleb went down last year, he slid into that left guard spot. So I think that speaks to the depth that this offensive of line has. And as you mentioned, when you add in guys like Khalil Rogers, Cam Dillard, there's a lot of talent there. And there's been a couple times since Fedora arrived where we've talked with Cap, and Cap's been like, I would really like to have eight guys, starting five, a backup center, a backup guard that can play either position, and a backup tackle for the same purpose. In some years, he hasn't had that. But looking at this depth chart, I mean, Charlie Hex back up a left tackle, right? I know you talked in the offseason, but he's a guy that can contend for a starting spot. Yeah, Rogers has starting experience in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, J.J. McCargo is, is a backup for a reason at center.
0: He hasn't played any. Right. He's a redshirt freshman.
1: Right. And then you got Prince, who started last year, as we mentioned. And then Masonville, who's a, is another backup for a reason at right tackle. Uh, but you got five guys with your twos that can play, and then Cohen's got experience as a third stringer. So now we're talking about 10, 11, maybe even 12 guys that may see playing time this year. And I can't remember a point during Fedora's era when that has been the case.
0: Yeah, there are definitely names and guys that can step in. I wrote about this um, on Tuesday. It's on, it's on Inside Carolina. I did a whole preview about the offensive line. But, I mean, bringing in Cameron Dillard was huge because it, it gives you a guy. He's likely going to be the guy at center. I mean, he started in the SEC for – you know, 13, 14 games at center. And that gives you so much flexibility because then you can move Hatton to a starting guard spot, which he likes to play. Uh, And then there's going to be a lot of healthy competition with Khalil Rogers, uh, Nick Polino, Hatton, uh, R.J. Prince, and a couple other guys for those guard spots. And then you have Bentley Spain, who you can trust to be a left tackle, but also can move inside. He he cross-trained there in the spring. And then you have, if he moves inside, which could happen, could not happen, you have William Sweet, and Charlie Heck on the outside, two six, seven, 300 pound tackles who are the bookend tackles of the of the next two, two, three years. So
1: massive guys.
0: Yeah, they're huge. And, um, and it's funny because those two guys are huge. And then right behind them, the freshmen, Marcus McKeithen and Jordan Tucker are like 6'7, 6'6, <laughs> six, six, 230, or 330s. So it's crazy. But I think the big thing here, there are some guys there, but they haven't all played together. You know, they haven't played with Cam Dillard. Uh, Billy Spain's the only guy who's been a consistent starter. So that chemistry is so crucial. So hopefully, I think for UNC fans, they can establish the starters pretty quickly and then get experience with reps of, of meshing and bonding with, with who are the main starters for the Cal game and moving forward.
1: Yeah, and, and two points about what you just said. Number one, versatility. You mentioned Spain being able to slide inside. Uh, that's, that's been one way that Cap has worked around some of those depth issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back to 2012, Travis Bond had to move outside. Uh, and we've seen that over the years. And so I think what you see here is not only can Spain slide inside, but Tommy Hatton, who came in, they had him pistol in as a center. So if something you know, happens to Dillard, he gets banged up. Hatton can slide inside, and you got Press, who started 13 games last year. And Sweets played both tackle positions. So not only do you have a lot of bodies, you have guys that can play uh, in different positions, which I think is beneficial. The other aspect is while chemistry is, is clearly a important piece of this. you In talking with Bentley Spain and uh, Charlotte for the ACC kickoff, he made the point that, yes, there are a lot of question marks about this offense and, and rightfully so. However, everything starts up front. And so, if, if North Carolina's offensive line can gel and live up to its hype and ex- expectation, that makes things a whole heck of a lot easier for the quarterback and a whole heck of a lot easier for the running back regardless of who mans those positions. And if you get things easier for the running game, then everything gets easier for the wide receivers and the tight ends. Uh, And so everything with this offense, while it is a quarterback-driven system, if the offensive line is solid, uh, you have a very good starting point, as with any offense in in college or the NFL. So a lot hinges on how quickly this offensive line can gel and how strong they can play this year.
0: And I think the general feeling with the staff is they're cautiously optimistic about what his offense line can do. And I think we touched on everything, depth, the interchangeability for a lot of players, the experience, and just the number of guys they have is huge for, for what you just touched on.
1: Wide receiver, what's, what's your guess? I'll put you in the spot. What is your guess for the starting lineup at wide receiver come September 2nd?
0: I think you're going to have uh, Austin Pro on the outside. You're That's an easy one. Ha- you're going to have Thomas Jackson on the inside. And then um, Anthony Ratliff Williams okay. on the outside, which is which is three guys that are all six one or below. Right. I mean, and I've, I wrote about this as well. I mean, Juval Millette is a guy waiting to break out. Um, a guy like Josh Cabrera that's been on the team for three years, but you've never really heard his name. Right. Uh, the, the transfer, Jordan Cunningham, is another guy can step in. I know he was with the first team a little bit as well on Wednesday Wednesday practice. So there's a lot of guys, and but the only really proven commodity
1: is Pearl. Right. And the other guy that really stood out during practice last year, and we heard a lot about him in the offseason, was Toe Groves. Mm-hmm. And I know Fedora mentioned him a couple times in ACC kickoff, but he's got a knee injury and is not certain right now if he's going to be able to make it back at all this year but the guy that apparently is in in position to take that spot is true freshman Daz Newsom. I haven't really seen him other than a little bit of highlight tape but just watching him Wednesday morning the kid is quick did you get to see him much on the recruiting trail
0: I mean he so when he committed we all thought he was going to be a cornerback. Okay. So you're watching his cornerback tape. And then when I, t- I spoke to him um, doing like a little recruitment enrollment preview, and he said he's moving to, to wide receiver. And that's obviously because I think it's because they figured he could be an impact player from day one and fill in for Toe Groves because they don't have that Ryan Switzer type right. player with that athletic ability on the roster. So they moved him over, and it seems like he's been impressive already, maybe in workouts and, and what they've seen already. And, I mean, from day one he was running with some – with um, with the ones on day one. So um, it's, that's an interesting storyline to follow, having a true freshman like that come in. He wasn't in earlier on role. He Come in in June and grab a starting spot or at least be a player to fill in.
1: Yeah, because if you look at what North Carolina has had during the Fedora era, you know when you have a guy like Switzer, who is shifty and you can't tackle him in a phone booth, and you have a guy like Mack Hollins or even Quinshaw Davis to an extent, who is into Bug Howard, big, rangy, can play on the edge, and then you add in some quality tight ends, that's really all you need. And when you look at this roster coming into camp, who's going to be that guy? Maybe Toe Groves is going to be the switcher. So maybe they're hoping Dass can step in. Maybe Millette, because we saw a little bit of him from him in the spring game. I know he's been injured, which has been part of the issue there. But you, you mentioned kind of how a lot of these guys are relatively short. So, I, you know, Roscoe Johnson was somebody in the spring that yep. is is pretty good speed. So how that position plays out, I mean, it's going to be production versus potential, in my opinion. I mean, you know what Austin Pro can give you. You know what Thomas Jackson can give you. Who are some of these other guys that can fit these desired positions that Gunner needs and what the wide receivers need as a position group and what the quarterbacks need? For, for targets.
0: Yeah, I think the major concern is they don't have a proven big end zone slash deep threat. Right. And that's where you hope uh, a guy like Juvel Millet can step in. Is that, am I saying that right? Juvel?
1: I thought it was Javal.
0: Javal, yeah. What do I know? Uh, and then Bo Corral is another guy. They recruited, right. particularly to come in as a freshman, as a 6'4 big receiver. And he. Could, I've heard that he could maybe get some reps as a freshman. And he
1: worked with the twos some today.
0: Yeah, and they need that guy to stretch the field. They've, they've always had that. They've had Quinshot Davis, Matt Collins, Buck Howard. You know, every successful offensive team on a Fedora has had that big end zone, deep threat guy. And right now, there's just, you don't know who it's going to be. There's just some optimism around certain guys. But I think, you know, the, yeah, the proven commodity is, is pro, and I think we know what Thomas Jackson can do to some extent. The fact that Daz was kind of edging in on Jackson's role is maybe a, a sign that obviously Newsom may be a little bit more um, athletic and dynamic than what Jackson can bring, but Jackson proved he was a viable option last year.
1: Any guesses as to who's going to be returning kicks and punts?
0: I think a guy like Daz Newsom could be a punt returner. I think Michael Carter could be a kickoff guy. I think it's, we spoke to Fodor about this a little bit in Charlotte. Um, it's going to be one some of the younger guys, younger guys. maybe KJ Sales. Mm-hmm. It's a name I've heard. You did a whole special teams piece. Right. You know, the names I'm missing there.
1: Uh, Ratliff Williams keeps yeah. coming up.
0: He was, a, he, he returned kicks last year as kind of like the right. second guy next For to sure. Oregon.
1: Yeah. And I think the fact that Austin Prohl uh, is kind of the fill in guy is kind of speaks to he's a guy that is safe. You know he's gonna catch the ball, you know he's gonna do the right thing. May not be as, as explosive as some of these other guys. Yeah. But it kinda and of, I'm not comparing I'm not comparing Pearl to uh Trace Jones. But if you go back kind of the end of the Butch Davis era, they had so many issues with guys being able to field punts that they just put Trace Jones, who was a former walk on, back there, just because they knew he could catch it. And that's all they wanted, just somebody who could catch the ball. So I think Pearl's the, the safety valve there.
0: They might need to keep him healthy right, and resting. Sure. Mean, there's, there's a lot of injury risk at punt returner, yep. so I mean, if he's the best receiver, it might be worth it just to get a freshman in there, right. at least looking ahead to the future.
1: Yeah, but that speaks to the... That speaks to what's going to take place over the next month, because there's so many things that have to be ironed out on the yeah. offensive side of the ball, which takes us to defense. And it seems like the issue on defense is not who's going to be the guy in terms of question marks. It's how do they whittle down the depth that they have at all these positions?
0: Yeah. And that starts with the defensive line. That's obviously just like the offensive line. The defensive line is hugely important to the success of the defense. And we were hearing in the spring, talking with players over the summer that they can go 11, 12 guys deep who can play, you know, anywhere between 20 to 60 reps. A game, and you have names you've heard before, Jeremiah Clark inside, Jalen Dalton, who has been okay, but still is waiting to break out, Aaron Crawford inside, and then the freshman Jordan Riley, I heard some really positive things about Jason Strobridge, Strobridge is the three technique defensive tackle, and then the outside guys like Malik Carney, who played pretty well last year and made some plays, um, of course, Tyler Powell has been a guy for a couple of year now, years now, and Dewan Drennan's fully healthy and we expect him to, to stay that way. Um, and that guy like Alan Cater and Tamon Fox, and I listed all those names that you put on your depth chart from this morning, and I think all those guys will play. I don't think – I think all those guys can be – can play meaningful reps for, for UNC this season.
1: And a lot of those guys are not even seniors, which is kind of the, the weird thing about it. But I think the key is last year they were very solid at defensive tackle. Just kind of speaking to, to negatives right now, Nas Jones was really the only guy that could consistently require a double team. Yeah. So somebody has to step up and fill that gap there. I think there's plenty of guys that have potential to do that. You
0: hope that Jalen Dalton becomes that guy. Right. kind of becomes that star of the defensive line. Right,
1: and Crawford's a a beast. So if he can be a good run stuffer, they need that. But really, I think how well this defense does is going to be based on uh, how the defensive end position plays out. Just because getting pressure off the edge has really been a – downfall of this defense in recent years and Malik Carney was kind of a bright spot last year Uh, he was thrown in after Drennan got hurt and really by the end of the season had proven to be the best pass rusher that they had now as you mentioned Drennan's healthy Fox is back healthy Uh, Powell's really you know he's more of a defensive tackle I know he's at end but in theory if you could have you know Drennan being productive off the edge along with Fox or Carney that's a lot of speed and quickness coming off the edge, and that opens up a, a lot of things for this defense.
0: Yeah, I think Samon Fox is one name to really pay attention to. He played two games before being injured last year, and he was you know, came in as a freshman and one of the better players in that recruiting class, and there was a lot of hype around him. He really didn't get to show what he could do, but he did enough to be able to play in the, in the first two games. I think it was out of necessity there in Georgia, but um, I think fans are excited to see what Fox can bring as a pass rusher. So there's a lot of names there and a lot of guys that there's a lot of expectations for. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds over camp and into the season. Um, but linebackers, you know, just like a lot of returns on defense, you have all three starters. Actually, UNC didn't lose a single scholarship
1: linebacker. linebacker.
0: Right. So you have all three starters returning. That's Case and Collins, Andre Smith, and Cole Holcomb. Behind them, you have Aiden Benilla, uh, who played really well uh, for, I think, Andre Smith last year at the Mike position. Yep. Um, you have Jonathan Smith, who's also injured last year, who comes in to back up Andre. And then Dominique Ross as the outside linebacker there, backing up Cole Holcomb. Um, I think it's a really a group to be heavily excited about. you got a new coach there. I think Dominique Ross, Dominique Ross can be an exciting player at 6'4", kind of like a pass-rushing um, linebacker type option. And then I think everyone's just going to improve with just more time in this defense. Um, especially, and obviously, Andre Smith is kind of where it all starts.
1: Yeah, and the guy that impressed me more than anybody last year was Jonathan Smith back before he got hurt. He was a big kid coming in as a as a true freshman, uh, a lot of good speed, and there was a lot of conversation before the season even started about whether or not we're going to see Andre and Jonathan on the field at the same time. I think some of the other guys improved enough where that's probably not going to happen, uh, but the fact that you know, the guys that we kind of harp on is Jonathan Smith and Dom Ross as you know, maybe the most athletic out of the bunch, even though you know, Cole Holcomb's right there with them. But those are two young guys uh, that really give North Carolina some hope for, for future linebacking cores. Uh, but it's really, I mean, I don't expect a lot of changes at linebacker during camp. And in recent years, this has kind of been a weak spot for the team. I, I don't think that's the case anymore.
0: I think it's been the strongest part of the defense. I mean anyway, that says a lot because I think there's a lot of good players on the defensive line and in the secondary. I think. Uh I mean, Cole Holcomb, he, didn't he lead the team in tackles last year? Or was he up there? Up there, man. And you would think he's got to improve in terms of he missed some assignments here and there. And a couple of guys missed assignments last year, Collins included. So you would think that kind of mental aspect just improves the more time, more experience. But I feel, I feel confident that the linebackers are going to be a, a group that they can really rely on to make some plays and be more aggressive and, and be a sure tackling group.
1: And the, the thing about the secondary, Ross, that kind of piques my interest is we know what North Carolina has in MJ Stewart. We know what they've got with Donnie Miles, right? I mean, we know Stewart's going to be a draft pick. He's going to challenge for all ACC honors. Miles may do the same. But the guys that I'm really interested to see are guys like Trey Shaw. And, I mean, Shaw seems to have pretty much locked in that backup cornerback position behind MJ. And Miles Dorn, who he's kind of been the talk of the offseason as a guy that has filled out a little bit. He's long. He's rangy. Uh, he could end up being you know, the best safety on this team. And then you've got other guys like J.K. Brett and Patrice Renee who've provided good snaps over the years, but a lot of young talent there. And you, we talked about K.J. Sales earlier. So just a lot of guys uh, that have the, the potential to really elevate their games in addition to the known commodities.
0: Yeah, and a lot of these guys came in the same recruiting class. Uh, Sales, Renee, Dorn, Ford, it was just like a haul of these of these secondary players that um, Coach Charlton Warren recruited. And it's just a lot of size. And Miles Dorn is a legit 6'2", 6'3", guy. DJ Ford 6'3", 6'4". Renee is a 6'2", big cornerback who played some last year. Uh, he was the guy who got all those um, personal... PI calls, yeah. PI calls, yeah. Um, and then Sales is, is a good 6'1", 6'2". And it's just some guys that haven't really played much. We don't really know exactly what Dorn can do what sales can do, what Renee can do, and we'll see pretty soon how effective they are. And yeah, it's great to have uh, Stuart and Miles there as kind of the experienced seniors and molding these these young talents. But yeah, I think I think Doran Ford, I think fans should be really excited about what they can bring.
1: And we haven't even talked about really special teams in terms of the kicking game. But Tom Sheldon, uh, I was able to speak with him on Wednesday. He's, he's looking to improve on what was an impressive year last year. And then at place kicker, uh, you've got a three-way battle. Um, and Freeman Jones, of course, is kind of the front runner there. But a couple of younger guys, no Ruggles for one, who expects to compete during training camp. But a lot of a lot of position battles to watch play out during training camp, Ross. Uh, we will cover it like we always do in depth. And any tidbits we pick up along the way, we will of course share with everybody in South Carolina. But Ross, enjoyed the, uh, the podcast. Thanks for joining us today while, while Tommy's sunning it up on the beach.
0: Yeah, it's been great. appreciate it. It's, a, it's an exciting start to the season, and we'll have you covered here at Inside
1: Carolina. Thanks for joining. We'll talk to you again.
0: Thanks for listening to Inside Carolina Radio, brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com, where Inside Carolina members get 10% off their everyday online orders. We'll talk to you again soon.